Hi guys, it's Paul from Itris and welcome to episode nine of The Corner. On today's episode, we're going to be interviewing our Associate Director of Learning and Organisational Development, Ian Farrow. Ian is a double award-winning L&D professional with over 14 years experience and has a deep understanding of all things learning, training and organisational development. Hi Ian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the corner. Thank you. So today I want to discuss with you some important topics related to recruitment software uh, and in particular software implementation, uh, learning and how um, employees and employers can engage with their tech through training. Yep. I've got some questions for you. We'll dive straight in. So let's start with the basics. So how can businesses ensure that their staff are trained properly and engaged in the implementation process? Yeah, so a, num a number of factors to this question. Um, firstly, failing to plan is, is, is of course, planning to fail. Blame the soul, say. It, yes, definitely. Uh, so it's true. Very, very true. It happens uh, too often, unfortunately, and it, and it relates to the change management piece as a, as a whole that I'm, I'm sure we're going to cover that kind of theme throughout with... Yeah. with, with um, you know, a number of the, the points we're going to be talking about. So I think that goes back a step to, to ensuring that, that actually the reason why you're changing is, is determined up front. Um, you know, what, what, what is it that your previous system, or if you didn't have a system, what, what could it not achieve? I mean, what is it that you needed this new system to, to achieve and ensuring that that's communicated and conveyed way before even the, the training implementation. So straight away, these are the benefits. This is what we're getting from having a new system, this is what you're going to be able to do. You know, don't, don't be concerned, don't worry. Um, you know, about 70% of, of change management initiatives fail because they occur to people rather than realizing that actually it's the people that result in the, the change being a success or a failure. So ensuring that, that everyone, everyone's kind of bought in up front, um, I think massively helps. And then later, with that plan, part of that becomes training. So what does the training look like? How much training? Who's providing that? Is that is that from the provider? Is that live training? Is that some stuff that's on demand? Um, is that is that even going to be stuff that the, the client supports with, with some of their perhaps decision makers or internal experts yeah. that they'll ideally have? So we, we talked before about key stakeholders as well, being involved throughout the whole process, which you touched on there. You know, from, you know what we said before, even even before you start that sales cycle, even before you look at new software, yeah. you know, really you want to look at your existing software, um, you know, because quite often, obviously we want to, you know, advise people well when they're looking at new tech, but also with their existing tech, you know, just identifying who's your key, key stakeholders. Yeah. How are you using your existing tech? Are you utilizing it properly? Yeah. Um, you know, because that can also be a point of, well, actually, maybe we don't need to look at new tech. Maybe we, we just need to look at some training for our existing staff. So those key stakeholders, again, we've touched on previously, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's, that is so key. And, and that communication piece is like, if people are moaning about their existing software, you must want to deep they'll delve into that. Yeah, okay, what's the problem? Yeah, what are the what are the areas? What are the pain points? What is working well? What isn't working well? And again, but again, using using both of those. Yeah, in terms of stakeholder mapping you know we'd, we'd recommend something like the the stakeholder salience model where you're kind of looking at all the people that it would relate to so some of those might be new people because perhaps um you know the obvious ones are obviously the recruiters that will be using it day to day um but in in terms of that kind of uh model there's kind of three aspects to it effectively it forms a venn diagram it's 
urgency stakeholders. So they're the people that um, uh, are kind of needing it very quickly. So perhaps there's a legislation change um, or there's a financial need because you've, you've transitioned. So they, they're going to be using the system because maybe it can, it can do things the previous one didn't or they didn't have a system. You know, some kind of changes resulted in them them having kind of urgency, and they're important users. Um, then there's uh, the the legitimacy stakeholders. So those are the people that um, will be using it day in day out. They're kind of key customers in terms of uh, actual day to day usage or or frequent usage. And then you've got the, the the power stakeholders. So they won't necessarily use it, but it matters to them. So perhaps they're um, you know. The senior leaders, the managers of the business, they maybe it's they've realised there's inefficiencies with not having a system or or having multiple systems that don't um, communicate with each other efficiently or effectively. Yeah. Um, and then kind of plotting those people in in the Venn diagram and and ultimately where where those Venn diagrams overlap, you end up with different stakeholders that have different influence and different significance. And and subsequently you you want to kind of utilize them and, and bring them on board in, in different ways. But but they're all important, yeah. but it varies. You said about the, the, the sort of power users. Yep. Now, quite often, the the data or the level of data or functionality they will want to see is, is very different to, yeah. the, to, to, the end, to the end users or the frequent users of the system. So I suppose it's important to have, you know, different communications with, with different you know, with, with different key stakeholders as well, not the same message for yeah, everyone. You're absolutely right. We've we've seen it where users, uh, you know, in terms of different different teams. So obviously, the classic one is the the recruitment team and function, and perhaps the recruitment administrators. But but other other parts of a business, such as marketing or more finance, are easily forgotten. And if they've already been using a system that that interrelates or perhaps doesn't, if they're not you know, involved in the process and, and discussions as to what it can achieve, what's going to be used, there'll be anxiety there. And, we, and we've certainly seen it where decisions have been made and they haven't been involved mm. and, and they're frustrated or disengaged because maybe it doesn't always meet their expectations or their expe expectations haven't been managed or they ultimately they're, they're not wanting to use a, a new system because they, they prefer you know, complete control. There's a, there's a number of factors there, even though it might benefit them to do so. It's it's fear of the unknown. So, number of aspects there. In addition um, to what you were saying, Paul, there's there's a classic thing that often occurs where people will change system, and it, even though our systems are very powerful and very useful, and people will often perceive there's many advantages to transitioning to it. There there are times where things, you know, even from from existing systems we've had there. There'll be there'll be aspects that people won't have documented or or changing from a competitor or or or, or what have you, where there are key things they they want to use all the time in different roles, different functions, but they haven't necessarily assured that those marry up in the new system. They might have been wowed by new features and functionality, yeah, um, and they're not really ensuring that the the kind of essential pieces are still there. Kind of broadly assuming, yeah, I was a fag assumption. It's, it's yeah, like. The mother of all, you know, bleeps. Yeah, yeah. And that, that really is the case. And we, yeah. you know, we, we, we try very hard throughout all of our processes. You know, we've almost had to define our processes internally here uh, around, you know, trying to help people identify their own, um, you know, needs without them assuming, oh, the system does that. Because quite often they might see, oh, it does, uh, it does time sheets. 
Yeah. Or it does compliance. And a lot of people see it as like a tick box fix. Yes. But actually without delving down into that key stakeholder who actually uses that, who's defined the process on how that works internally, you know, ideally they need to be drilling down into that feature to check that it works for them. Just because it says a word doesn't mean it's going to meet your processes. And if they're open to change, they're changing their processes, great. Uh, quite often, like you said, um, you know, particularly with uh, you know, back office staff or as marketing, it might be the case that actually their their processes are, are, are so intertwined in everything that they do uh, that actually is very difficult for them to change because of the reliance on perhaps other systems or, or whatever that might be. Um, yeah, so that's that that's a really yeah really really good point. And while we often try and hammer home in, in terms of identifying those things, yeah, it, it really impacts the success of, of, of the change piece. Yeah, certainly. And like you said, unfortunately, it's very common. For that to be that to be overlooked it's a statistic you said like 60 percent yeah 70 percent of change initiatives failed yeah and, and, and a huge part of that is the communication so yeah and and potentially people not being involved in the decision making process up front um so you know the change might happen to them but it isn't being conveyed as to why and then there'll be anxiety that occurs because there, there's fear and yeah. people you know people are, are scared of the unknown so the more communication that happens, the more they can be put at ease and there's positive messages and, and how this is going to benefit you, but also ensuring that it's it's meeting their needs, documenting that and having a having a team in place that's representing those users and so they'll they'll feel at ease and, and, and ensuring that those essential bits of functionality are there. Yeah. And then there are also the nice tabs. Okay, great. So having worked in the industry uh, consulting with Nitrous customers for over fourteen years, congratulations. Uh, what types of training do you recommend for businesses? As as much as possible, bro. Uh, yeah, lots regularly. Um, yeah, the, 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 there's all sorts. There's there's a whole a whole range and uh, a host of things that ideally people would do. But actually, linking back to what we were talking about a second ago, mm. um, you know, providing time for people to actually uh, have the training on a regular basis is important. And and actually, that ties into what we were talking about previously in terms of the plan. Um, and working out if the product fits as well is often the time just isn't dedicated. We understand recruitment is a, a time short industry sure. and there's a lot of conflicting and competing pressures and priorities. Um, but getting it right up front is is pretty key. So providing time for people to you know decide on the system and, and, and work out the plan and, and communicate and, and so on, but also the time for the training to occur thereafter. And, uh, but it, to be specific in terms of what kind of training we'd recommend this has kind of shifted over the years as as the generations have, have shifted uh, yeah you know and, and the work from home yes aspects too than that yeah yeah uh, and technologies change yeah absolutely so you know with with um millennials so generation y and, and generation z now in the workforce the way that they consume content to learn is quite different to uh previous generations um so historically from our perspective we'd often provide training on site, uh, gradually the offering uh, transitioned as well to online. But but when it was on site, it would often be an intensive whole days course. And, and whilst we love databases, and I'm sure lots of the, the users do, that's that's you know regardless how fun we can make that, that's still a database, and that's a day's content. Even when you think back to school or university or any kind of studying, it would often be a shorter period of time, maybe an hour, an hour and a half at most, and because it isn't conducive to to learning optimal learning ultimately but it is that classic sort of classroom style learning so this yes yeah, so where things were certain apps are 
yeah, on some degree, and open people's expectations at that as well. And and so we've we've shifted away from that with those kind of new generations and their expectations in terms of you know often how people now generate uh, or utilize content that's generated on the internet mm-hmm. to learn, which is you know shorter YouTube videos yeah. on demand, short form content. Is she Absolutely, and the TikTok stuff that's incredibly quick and yeah. bite size, isn't it? That's really um, engaging. We've kind of met that, um, and we 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 feel that actually consuming as much content as possible regularly is much better than the historical approach, which was, you know, a reasonable amount of content at the point of going live, mm. um, perhaps a little bit before, but certainly at the time of going live, and then often not a lot thereafter, it, it isn't the best way. During the kind of implementation stage or pre-implementation, uh, though that kind of usage decision maker uh, or that, that team that's decided on the system that's perhaps considering the processes would would be learning the system through um, on-demand content, uh, perhaps perhaps some online training that's kind of shorter, perhaps face-to-face, uh, of course, if if, if, if if that's if that's all that's available or that offered. And often that comes at different sort of stages in the in the process. We talked yeah. previously of uh, project management and, and and that kind of stuff. So and where your department in particular comes in at, yeah. at those different stages. So again, going back to time, I suppose it depends how much time they've got. Yeah, depends on what kind of who the key stakeholders are. Yeah, might depend on what sort of content. You know, if it's short form content, if it is more sort of face to face or or online, you know, are they defined sessions? Are they Q and A sessions? Yes. Yeah, and I think if that if those people up front are learning an awful lot about the system, that's going to help with determining how the system's utilised, mm. um, and and then thereafter working out well what what training's relevant for people after this. So some of the stuff that we'd recommend that we that we do currently is. Um, the on-demand content, utilize that pre for those, for those decision makers. Um, you know, an online session as well. Um, we then recommend for the for the users that that will be going live to have have some of that knowledge um, and be kind of drip fed through to them prior to going live. So yeah. utilize on-demand on-demand resources, mm-hmm. uh, potentially an online session as well, a short one, so it isn't too much, isn't too daunting, mm-hmm. um, and then. Floor walking, ideally, so have uh, you know experts from from your provider um, turn up uh, on the day of go live, or perhaps even a few days, because that could really make or break the way people perceive the the change. Now, uh, if it's effective, the implementation of the software, and that will help with that anxiety. You were just about sort of previously, you know, because some users will be really bought into the change, really pro change. They may have used the system previously, so they might be sort of walking out. Oh yeah, I used to use that system when I worked at whatever company. So they're probably a little bit more competent than perhaps someone that's, like you said earlier, even new to the business, new to systems in general, or in fact has, has used the same system for 20 odd years and yeah. doesn't necessarily like change, you know. Yeah, because even if you're a really enthusiastic user and you're really pro the change, ultimately you might still find that there's frustrations because you've got a workload you're trying to manage and then you were you know efficient and effective with whatever you were doing before. Even though arguably you'll hopefully be more efficient soon enough, there's a learning curve. And from day one, you're not necessarily as fast. You're not going to be. That's an unrealistic expectation. But perhaps there's one that's been conveyed to the user or it has been made explicit, which ideally it would be as part of that regular communication in terms of that that team, um, that you know, change management, that, that planning, um, so that people realize, well, actually, there's going to be frustrations on, on day one, even though we, we buy into the system and know it's going to provide and deliver benefits but for the first x number of days or weeks and we're finding our feet don't expect to be as 
as efficient as you were. But the good news is you've got floor walkers on site. They're going to help you with how-to questions when they come up live where you're trying to actually utilize the system. This is this isn't theory-based learning anymore. This is this is live. Try to implement it. You to utilize it um, and and be efficient and effective. So so that really helps because otherwise frustration occurs. And imagine if you don't have a, an internal expert who hasn't had a lot of knowledge and training. Then who is going to help? People are just going to suffer sometimes in silence or perhaps not in silence and 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 might impact other people's perception of the product and yeah uh, or the new system. And then thereafter, ideally, continue. Continue with as much uh, learning as possible. Drip feed it thereafter. Scale up. So, you know, the first aspect will be finding your feet and then start getting the, the bigger wins from the system, the yeah. things that uh, really provide advantage, but perhaps uh, come with you being efficient and effective and, and, and understanding how it works. It's a whole sort of walk before you can run type. Yes, yes. You, can, you can't just sort of rock up at a at Mac, you know, you've done a couple of 5Ks over the last few years. You can't just rock up at a marathon and, oh, I know how to run. Yeah, and, you know, try and take that head on, you yeah. know, to work up to that. Yeah, and like I said, quite often a lot of these systems offer loads and loads of features. Uh, some you may or may not be aware of. Uh, and then it's kind of working out what, what, you, what parts do you want to utilise. And I think, like you said, that whole communication piece. So it might, it, this might be here's the new system, or here's what we found in our existing system that may benefit you. Here's how you can learn it, and here's how we as a business are going to implement it into our process. So it's perhaps the way that content is served up as well. Like you said, the short form of content is great, you know, for those, oh, I wonder how that works, you know, a minute, two minutes, just delving in. You can very quickly pick up, and that's something I can use. That's something that can help me in my day-to-day duties or process or whatever it is. Or is it actually that's not kind of how we work? Or maybe we can suggest that as a change internally, but it's not something I'm going to learn straight away. I think old school-wise, um, you know, a lot of suppliers um, would either have like an off-the-shelf course, which is still relevant in some scenarios, but for the short-form content, you know, you don't want people sitting in a classroom all day or learning all of this stuff, you know, and out of that, you know, the, the, the portion they've learned, actually only 10% of that is relevant to them. So again, breaking those key stakeholders down, like you mentioned earlier, will be key to that. And then in terms of what training is relevant, what, you know, what type uh like you mentioned, the time, ensure they've got the time to digest that content uh, and then, you know, implementing it. Yes, that's all really good. Yeah, the, with with the, the processes you were talking about there, ideally, that you know, that team, that decision-making team, that, that kind of project implementation team, even, even learning the, the content through the provider or what have you, it's not going to be necessarily bespoke to how the client or the users will be needing to use it as per their processes. Potentially could with bespoke training. Yeah, it's usually more costly. Often takes longer to deliver, mm. uh, to produce and create. And, and that, that is something we offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but it's rarer. But it is, yeah, because also deliver. Yeah, because in an ideal world, um, you know, having having people that know know the system internally are going to be able to better better identify that or highlight what what should be used and um, and, and should and and actually that, that takes us back to one of the previous points that links in nicely that um. When you, when you're transitioning to new software, there are advantages that you want to you want to you know arguably um, utilize to, to to grab hold of, mm. um, and it's the perfect opportunity to to reconsider the processes yeah. that you have in place with your last system and not 
and not just rush and try and recreate everything because sometimes the things that, that were in place aren't necessarily the most effective. Mm. And, and we've often seen it where people will rush through just trying to recreate the processes of a previous version of Nitrous or even um, a, you know different software. And sometimes it's a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't really work. There are, there are costs to that in terms of advantages lost, new functionality you can't utilize. And so it's a really important piece to, to ensure that, that actually you're also getting the tangible benefits of, of why you changed as well. You, you, can, you can lose them otherwise if you just rush the process. So then someone considering that in terms of the training as well of, okay, yeah, I just have highlighted that you can do it that way. We do it slightly differently because there's different ways of doing it. And this is why, and also providing the why. So people are more likely to do it. There's been, if people are told sometimes that that doesn't happen. And a, and a case in point is um, regularly something specific, the sources over the years, people would regularly kind of select a source against a, a candidate record for where they came from. Yeah. So a source we, we define in iTris is uh, a, a, me a media source, yeah, media source in, in terms of like a job board or an adverb or a social media platform or something like that. So, you know, track being able to track where that applicant's come from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've seen it so many times over the years where it's not explained to the user as to the benefit. I mean, it might seem obvious to, to most people. It, 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 it seems fairly obvious. But I've seen it so many times where I say it's a mandatory field, which means people have to fill it in, mm -hmm. uh, which obviously people can determine themselves and then part of their processes and work out how they're going to use the system. Sometimes they'll make it mandatory, but not convey to the users the why. Why is it artificial and it's for reporting and one yeah, return on investment. So don't just select the top one of the list yet, because otherwise we're not going to renew that job board for JME. And actually that's where most of our placements come from. I've seen that so often and it's also, so a big part of it is the communicating the why, communicating the benefit. And that, and that could certainly lead on what we've discussed previously as well, is that whole communication then with your uh, applicants and contacts and companies and, and, and jobs, et cetera. If you're putting that wrong piece of data in, that can have a massive impact on other systems and other process that are perhaps linked to that. Yep. Going back to the point, the point you just said a minute ago, in terms of those processes and the way it's always been done and why it's a really good time to review those when you're looking at your software. What we find, and I'm sure you've seen this a lot, is nine times out of 10 can guarantee those processes are being put in place because of the limitations of the software, the annual review. Yeah. So actually, because it's, oh, we, we do it this way, you know, it's, well, why do you do it that way? Actually, nine times out of 10, the reason why they're doing it like that is because either their current system isn't able to, or this, this process was defined because of X, Y, Z. And that might be them using a, a different field or filling in something manual every time or whatever, just because that's the way they used to do it. Yeah, and, and often people can't see wood for the trees there as well. They, they become so ingrained, the behavior, that, that people can't even answer as to why they do it that way. That's just, that, they do it that way because that's how they've always done it. That, that's what makes sense. And, and sometimes it's really hard to step out from the process and, and, and recreating it and actually thinking about the... Let's let's slow things down for a minute. Let's look at the bigger picture as to is is this the best way of approaching this? You, you know, are there other ways of doing it? Do we need to try and recreate this process that could well have been a workaround? Yeah, that might not be uh, fit for purpose anymore. That might actually be hindering us. That we might lose other advantages in our in our new system if we if we try and recreate that process within it. Uh, I, I've, I've had that just recently. Speaking into some of those transitioning where they uh, to 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 nine where they were trying to recreate a process and it 
And actually, there's all kinds of benefits they've been missing out on there. Um, I don't need to do that anymore. No, exactly. And I'm, I'm not sure that there is actually a real need. I think that yeah, they could do it in a different way. Um, and, and hopefully they, they get there with it. But yeah, sometimes it's it's really hard because it's rushed. The process is often rushed, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's where, obviously, in terms of the, the type of training, again, it stems back to you know invest that sort of time initially in reviewing everything. And that, I suppose, help you identify you know, what's right for, for your business. Because actually, if you are, if you need guidance from your supplier in terms of change management support, you know, that that, that can be on offer. Yeah. There is bespoke options there. Um, however, if you have mapped it all out, you've got this great plan and you've reviewed all your processes and you know what you need, great. Uh, but actually, we, we can help with that and we can help advise. And we often do, you know, particularly with our uh, customers from, like you said, our old older products, uh, you know, transitioning to our newer products is still a change. It's still a change in software. It's still a big change base. So, you know, we can help you identify what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, you know, lean on your provider, lean on us to try and to try and maximize it because, yeah, we we've done it many times over, and of course, our clients will will have done it once every, hopefully, decade or so. You know, or, or if it's changing for oh, some of our systems are not like twenty years. Yeah, twenty thirty. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, so it's even more significant, and they're going to be less experienced as a result. So. To lean on us as the experts to, or, or 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 your other provider or what have you to to try and to try and ensure that you're doing it correctly. So, I mean, we discussed before on the corner the uh, the benefits of a dry run, which for those of you that haven't seen the project management episode, is a state uh, during the project phase that you get your data in the new system and you get to play about with it. Yeah, well, check it out. So, how can this be utilised from a from a training point of view? Oh, it's a great opportunity. Um, it's a great opportunity that provides time with the system, with your data in it, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to it being empty. So it feels tangibly, you know, how it will be when you go live. So um, it's more realistic for, for training. Um, the retention is going to be better. So so potentially the, the person or the team that are kind of implementing it or, or reviewing the, the system would would utilize that to check processes uh, to ensure that everything that they they're thinking of transitioning to in terms of or replicating or, or changing um, works that the data's in the right place because sometimes actually when when starting to utilize the system you might realize oh actually we we, we were thinking of having it in this place but actually it'd be better if we had it here so so that's another advantage there and we might advise on those benefits actually if you use this field for that piece of data yeah Here's what other benefits this could this could bring as well. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's not as straightforward as definitively put it here because there's different advantages to having something in different places, mm. um, or or even sometimes people don't bring all of their data across, so understandably, um, because it's an opportunity to reduce it down and, and cleanse and clean. But some things might not come across that that could be useful, and suddenly you realise actually this this could be here and this will help with training, um, so. It also provides the opportunity that you're not really messing with with the live system. If you're if you're using a dry run system, that that data can easily be just removed thereafter. So yeah, the again the cleanse and quality of of your system isn't impacted. And often we'll put things in place so it's it's almost like obviously it's a safe environment in terms of in in terms of tech and security. Um, but actually, we can put certain things in place. Whereas you know we can hook it all up to the email accounts, but we can ensure that nothing's actually set. So if you're doing like a dummy placement, actually you're not going to receive like a 
placement confirmation email that's all that you've set up automated in the system say congratulations on a new role and you, you yeah. need to be at this place at this time and you're getting paid x amount of money yeah. you know per hour um so we can always put stuff like that in place but like you said it's a, you know it's a great opportunity people to define the processes in the new system and coming back to the the thing we were talking about in terms of prioritizing this and time mm. it, it, it's a, it's a key one um not only in terms of having the training ideally on this dry run data but but ensuring that the driver data is checked, which no doubt you know has been covered in in previous yeah in previous episodes. But it, it it's so keen for the success thereafter, and then the communication and people realizing and seeing potentially you know when you go live, well if some data has been left behind, why? Um, and and kind of that being communicated and conveyed to the users as well during the training, and and sometimes they pick up on things as well that mm. that realize or, or makes that team realize actually we'd, we'd like to change this and have this data brought in as well that we weren't going to bring in or 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 it provides that opportunity but that's explained to them so they so they realize because otherwise frustration can occur because data isn't there yeah. out of perhaps choice obviously everything can be brought across yeah and it's often unrealistic and not wanted anyway where we were saying earlier in terms of you know perhaps your process was defined by the use of the old system similarly with data perhaps you're using that field in your current system because there's nowhere else to put it yeah it's actually your new system there's specified field a field or fields for that to go in so again that might be oh why is that data why is this domain field brought across uh someone's status that we've created well probably because in your old system that might have been the only field available for that particular a piece of data so that's why you utilized it we can change it yeah so really just needs to be identified that's a really good point because it's not just about changing the process mm. uh, and realizing there's opportunities to do the process sometimes you can be hindered by the data exactly mm. as you say so it might be that even if you wanted to change the process the data is in a place that would mean you'd have to continue well actually there's an opportunity to just having the training to realize that and change it so that you can realize the benefit and and, and change the process in, in turn. So it's yeah, both, both aspects of, of the kind of process being looked at from the data side, as well as um, using using the system and realizing the things could be done differently too. Okay, Ian, so we often see resistance from some users, uh, particularly larger businesses where perhaps people haven't been in, informed or consulted during the implementation, yep. which we've obviously talked about. Um, how can businesses manage resistance from employees? Yeah, so so doing a lot of the things that we just said, uh, that will so that will help pre yeah help pre the cream and help help sit up it. But you know there there might still be some resistance, and and if you haven't done those things, then they're probably definitely yeah exactly. So but you can you can still try and mitigate some of that. Yeah, quite quite a number of ways of, of achieving this of doing this. So so Lewin's force field analysis is is quite a straightforward uh, model um, that's often talked about it's it's ultimately there's there's kind of barriers resisting change and pushing against it and then there'll be forces that are pro change ideally if you were to document perhaps the people the teams the the reasons the whatever it is that that's preventing change look at those and try and reduce or even eliminate them and then on the on the flip side the reasons for the change the things that are pro the change the people the you know the items that things that are pushing it through and try and strengthen them or enhance them. So ultimately, you're going to get a tipping point where you're pushing through change rather than just meeting uh, resistance. When you say eliminate them, you don't mean Jimmy's not using the system. Take him out. So like, uh, no, certainly they, they advocate. Uh, but yeah, you know, recruitment's cutthroat. There's high turn. So sometimes, sometimes people might not, not, might not relate. 
certainly that that's a factor in terms of communicating mm. um, the benefits again mm. uh, it, regularly. Um, that can be done through something that, that that often works quite well is in, instead of instead of buying the benefits from from us as the provider, because of course we're biased. Um, we'd like you know like to think we're not, but of course we are. A workshop or a drop-in clinic or something like that happens where people talk about the things that they found that are positive within the system mm. that they're using and why they like it, what the benefit is to them. Other other people might end up hearing that and thinking, oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. It reinforces that. It also helps uh, helps with learning again. So people are kind of relearning things or revisiting things because they won't have necessarily implemented everything. But they're learning it from someone that's not biased, such as ourselves, you know, just or, or even someone that's trying to push through the change. Yeah, uh, or invested in the system because they won't be with exactly. So a kind of another perhaps standard user that uh, that that actually is seeing a tangible benefit, and they've got an example where it's worked well for them, and hopefully more people will end up using it. And that that can help. Another thing that that um, can be really useful is just highlighting the investment that's that's gone into it in terms of time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, so with with recruitment software within a recruitment organization it's such a key part of their infrastructure in terms of their their tech stack that yeah. that actually to try and resist it it's actually a little bit foolhardy mm-hmm. um uh yeah of course we talked about change being scary but if you if you are to resist it you might be doing your career or your, or your job at that organization a disservice um but certainly, it being it being mentioned and highlighted that the cost and the investment thus far mm. will will provide that perspective of there's a lot of time and energy and effort and, and money that's gone into this. Uh, this this needs to be a success. Then, yeah, um, and that happens again at the very start. You know, as a as an organisation, we're looking to invest in our staff. We're looking to invest in our tech to enable you to work more efficiently and be more successful. So here's what we're going to put into it. Here's what we expect. Here's your part. Here's your yeah. role in it. It's, it's the adoption of it and the use of it. Yeah. So not reject it. Yeah. Because you get taken out the back and shut up. But <laughs> and, and keep highlighting the 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 reason. What was the, what was the problem we were looking to solve? Yeah. Um, and this solves it. And actually beyond that, we've got all these nice to haves as well that are that are good. But but there'll be things that go wrong. There'll be things that are missed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having the humility to listen to the staff mm-hmm. uh, and try and address their concerns where possible, or even just holding your hands up and apologising, goes a long way to actually putting that to bed, to so people can move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and otherwise, it can just end up being an echo chamber of someone that perhaps wasn't consulted, that was mm-hmm. that wasn't considered, um, for whatever reason, could forever just be a negative. Uh, influence and 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 perhaps just the humility to say well, we'll try and address those concerns. Um, we're sorry, we didn't realise we made a mistake, and can also alleviate and, and kind of potentially rectify or remove that 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 barrier. So, so all those little things could help. And on the flip side of that, you know, again, we've talked a little bit about before, but actually rewarding the use of the system and you know ensuring that those positive messages, like you said, are coming from the end users, perhaps in a in some kind of forum or workshop but actually that that's communicated you know across the across the business you know some of our customers that use the system to its fullest they're doing really well in terms of constantly reviewing their processes their, their training etc um actually reward staff for the use of the system and that's not just if you don't use the system you know getting paid your commission you know because that's that's not really rewarding good behavior yes that is an element we have to have the data in there in order for these processes to take place. 
but actually in terms of like data quality control all that kind of stuff you know you want to kind of empower or reward those good users so they're almost highlighted to perhaps those that aren't aren't using it as well yeah yeah it's it's both actually isn't it it's checking that people are using it arguably and having but also in terms of so that coming back to the training as to this is how we are going to use it. This is how it needs to be used. Because there are processes where these are effectively the non-negotiables. This is how you, you must use it. So collectively, we'll, we'll reap the benefits of that. Uh, and if you don't, these are, the, these are the ramifications. And being strong to the point of just because someone's a really effective top biller, mm. realizing that that's, that's quite short-sighted if you are to just let them do whatever they want or perhaps not do anything within the system. Because that sends the wrong message to other people, especially if they're a strong performer. And then you're not necessarily going to reap the benefits. But also, as you say, praising and rewarding those that do and recognizing it and thanking them and appreciating them and um and, and, and highlighting some of the some of the things that have occurred off the back of them 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 uh, doing so. So yeah, certainly certainly both parts I think can can really help with that, with that adoption and removing the removing the barriers if you get more out of it if you if you utilize more of the system collectively and people are adhering to those kind of non-negotiables and those standards the, the output's going to be greater than the sum of your your parts so you're going to yeah. be getting more out of it than than you you perceive you would in isolation even if these people are effective um so so certainly really trying to reward people and at the same time rectify and deal with the situations where perhaps people yeah are choosing to not should mean you, you you get even even more as a result. So yeah, and, and there are there are some things we've put in place as a software organisation to try and help that. Uh, you know, in terms of that you, know, you mentioned earlier, things like mandatory creation fields. Yeah, if you're creating like an app in a company client job placement records, here's some things that we expect you to complete. Um, you know, so an applicant must have uh, an email address, telephone number, that kind of thing. So yeah, they, they can enforce that, but there is a fine line, isn't there, between kind of you know, some people can get quite annoyed if there's too much or, or it's kind of, they, they deem it as irrelevant. So I suppose that communication is, we want you to complete this and here's the reasons why. Um, you know, and actually we expect this to be done at the time you do it, not at the end of the day or end of the week, because actually that will skew our figures. So again, identifying that, telling them the reasons why they've got to do that, not just there's a field there or I have to fill in, it's really annoying because I don't know why. Um, that can really help people buy into the use of the system, not just as an individual, but as a business and have the business grow. And again, we've put in uh, like Powerball is really popular for, for those that, um, you know, use the system uh, sort of, in, you know, in, in a really good way because it shows in real time yep. the use of the system. Uh, and that there might be leaderboard showing outbound calls and, you know, users want to be top of that leaderboard. It shows, you know, when they're putting a placement in at the time of doing it, that's coming up on a big screen and music, their music's playing, you know, again, giving them the ability to select their own music, little things like that. It's a little buy-in. Yeah, it drives actual training behavior. It really does. And actually, if other people witness that in the office, they're like, oh, I want to do that. Or I want to try and beat so-and-so who's always at the top of that board and it kind of drives the usage. But as much as the the supplier can put these things in place in order to, to drive usage, you know, you still need to be on the ground because like we said earlier ultimately those businesses know their processes better you have to know how they want the system to be used so put those things in place from a configuration point of view but also like a message you know delivering that, that message to the end user as to why 
yeah, I think it's got to be regularly checked and looked at. Um, so yeah, power boards can be a, a real effective way of, of just kind of doing it organically in a fence, just set it up and, and they'll run and run and people can see it in real time. Uh, but, but also checking and ensuring that it is, is continued, uh, continuously utilized in the way that you deem it should be those kind of non-negotiables of the, this is the process that we utilize mm. because we've worked out that there are tangible benefits in doing so for a whole variety of, uh, ways and areas. Um, yeah, that's 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 so significant. It's so important. And you're right. There's only so much that that the software can do there. But, you know, ultimately, it's it's in the clients and the and the, the organisations, the recruitment agencies' interest to be on top of that to to get more out of the of the product continuously. You want good quality data. And if people are doing it after the event, that shows that it isn't working. It's what then? It's just an administrative tool. That they're seeing as something they have to use, yeah. and they're clearly not bought into the tangible benefits because it's not just about putting in data for management reporting. There's all you know. If it's a recruitment system worth its salt, which certainly Itrus is in our view, you're going to be getting benefits if collectively you're utilising it in a certain way, like a colony colony of ants or bees. Yeah, you know, you're, you're going to get more from it because you're working together. Um, and and uh, you're going to find more relevant applicants because the data has been put in in real time and, mm-hmm. and and so on and so forth. And hopefully, ultimately, just make more placements. It's it's not just about reporting and mm-hmm. and doing it after the event. That's that's a, that's a clear sign that something needs to change. Either the system doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. or perhaps um, users just stop bored. Yeah, and, and perhaps something needs to like I say so, yeah, as soon as they see it as admin, such as it's a bit of a dirty word in recruitment. Is oh, I've got to do my admin. You know, it shouldn't be uh, seen as 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 a as a chore that you can kind of put off and I'll I'll get round to. No, but yeah, because it's you're right. It's the wrong it's the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah, it's not admin. Yeah. It's not just admin for for the sake of of making a note. It's if it doesn't occur, there's so many lost benefits to you and your colleagues. If you're and part of the systems, like we said earlier, yeah, all these other sort of automation, yeah, and, and, and that kind of stuff that might be triggered off the back of that one thing happening at that specific time, whether that's a source being put in at the at the point of adding an applicant, oh, I'll just put that, you know, no, this is important stuff, and here's the benefits of the yeah. app. And even just in terms of being organised and managing yourself effectively, if you, if you put those things in, you can have triggers and automation and, and, and it linked to other teams or even yourself so you remember to do things and you're more efficient and effective. It's, it's, there are so many tangible benefits that if you're only viewing it as admin, you've either been trained incorrectly or you haven't seen the benefits or there aren't benefits to the system or, or perhaps you're in, the, you're in the wrong job. Who knows? Sub-question, should the use of the system, in your opinion, form part of an individual's one to one, yeah, great, yeah, great shout, yeah. So, we, yeah, so sometimes we've seen the the flip of it that if you don't put the data in in real time and correctly and stuff like that, then that might be a reason uh, the commission isn't paid, and sometimes that is a way of getting people to do it. So the the stick, the carrot being um, it being talked about in one to ones and potentially it being part of the key performance uh, criteria for uh, appraisals as to these, you know, this is how effective you've been at the non negotiables, the things that we view as uh, as critical um uh, yes absolutely I, I you know if there if there are kind of five six seven main things you focus in on in, in terms of recruiters as to their performance and some of it will obviously be revenue i i'd i'd also argue a real really important one culturally to show how how 
how significant the system is and how much you bind to it um, being a benefit, that, that actually it becomes a, a focal point as well, but perhaps it's scored based on usage and, and uh, uh, the quality of your, your, your data and, and also um, yeah, how much you advocate it and, and, and assist other people. You know, a whole, whole variety of factors perhaps within that. Yeah, definitely. And but individuals love sort of development. You know, and, and you know, he, salespeople, you know, particularly, how can I improve? How can I do better? You know, and if, I think if that's set out as one of these, really, you do all this stuff really good over here, great on the phone, uh, you, you, you're great at cold calling as well as qualifying applicants and great at formatting CVs and this other stuff. But actually, you're one of the worst for putting comments on the system. Or actually, you only leave it till the end of the day to put all your placements in and the skewing our figures is not good enough. Unless you want to improve, improve that. And then the rest, you know, and then we can elevate you in terms of your status within the business. It might be to pay rises or bonuses off the, off the back of it. Yeah, you're right. And if people aren't using it particularly, mm. then you're not really going to be able to analyze that data to assist them. To, mm. so, so it's obvious where they can improve and be more effective and, mm. and ultimately make more placements. And then you might get back, I don't know how to use that part of the system. Therefore, identifying some trading me and yeah. knowledge gaps. And yeah, like and, and then that continuous learning piece again where... Okay, great. We've got these whole host of things that actually a number of people don't know about. Let's continuously train people um, because just doing it up front, it's just going to drop away. That knowledge is going to drop away with the high turnover that exists in the recruitment. Yeah, it just erodes over time. And, and you, know, yeah. you need to be stem that. So, and that, again, from a line manager's point of view, perhaps can help as a line manager identify what parts of my team using well and what are they not. Being able to score that is a, is a good work. Okay, next question. We're near the end. So some larger organizations look to have their own internal trainer uh, from a software and perhaps a recruitment process point of view. From a tech or a software point of view, what are the benefits of having an internal trainer or systems expert uh, within the business? Uh, and is this a full-time role? Lots of benefits to having an internal trainer. The larger the organization, the more it makes sense. Um, but obviously, the smaller you are, the less likely that is to, to, to occur. If you're a 10-user organization, it's probably incredibly unlikely. For one, there hopefully the the usage decision maker in terms of like we were talking about earlier, those non-negotiables of what you'd have to use, and therefore they can see in real time and correct where that perhaps isn't occurring, um, so that 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 gets put back on track. Whilst clients can always lean on us to assist and help, um, the response is going to be quicker if you've got an internal trainer. Yeah, um, that that knowledge is going to be able to be drip-fed to people. They'll be able to, be able to uh, react in real time. But also, they're going to better understand their processes. So whilst we're you know, complete experts within our product, we're never going to be an expert in terms of the nuances of how each client specifically utilizes ITRIS or the things that they do around it. Um, and so having that person in place is better able to translate our product to how the organization works. Um, so again, that just really helps with adoption and usage and, and, and positive usage. So, so yes, absolutely. I think it's, 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 it's so useful that some of the best clients we have that use the product have internal trainers, mm. um, and they, uh, assist with, with training, uh, in terms of producing, uh, content internally, that's, that's kind of bespoke to how they would use the products and they'll have their own perhaps courses and documentation, but also that means that they can have regular sessions or clinics or whatever it is that people perhaps can drop into or it's um, kind of uh, they're enrolled or automatically or whatever it might be to continue that upskilling of the system rather than it being 
we've rolled it out, we've learned the system, and like we were talking about, potentially the knowledge dropping off. Even with on-demand content, which we have inbuilt in the system within the knowledge base, not everyone's going to utilize that, even though it's pretty obvious and there's so many learn more buttons. And, and actually, the system's pretty easy to use anyway. Yeah. But nonetheless, not everyone is going to, to go into those areas. So having someone, and it becoming part of the culture of continuous learning, of we're always trying to look at how we maximize the usage of the product that person's critical for it because they'll be able to identify the gaps against those those kind of um, key areas that they utilize or, or, or it's been determined people should utilize within within the product. Good. And in, in terms of, I suppose, like you said earlier, you know, if you're, if you're a smaller uh, organization, you know, having someone specific as an internal trainer perhaps doesn't make, you know, financial sense, if, if, if anything. Yeah. Um, larger organizations, like we said, often have an internal trainer or systems expert, you know, whatever you want to call it, they might not necessarily be uh, fully qualified in trading, but actually they're just like really, you know, really makes sense because they understand the processes and all this kind of stuff. How can how can that be identified? I suppose from a from a smaller organisation's point of view, what are, what are the kind of key traits they should look out for in, in in terms of you know we don't want to go and recruit someone to do this. Yeah, we want to try and utilise someone internally as part of their role. Um, you know, so we might take something away from them because we want to give them this that's, that's so important. What are the kind of key traits they should look out for? Yeah, you're right. It's arguably a better place to start looking some, at someone internally because the, they're going to be quicker uh, at being able to assist the business because they're already going to know how the business works. Potentially, they might already be a recruiter or, or someone that knows the business particularly well. So that then it, it, it just becomes a transition of learning the system to, a, to an even higher level, perhaps, or, or perhaps already they, they, they know it well. Um, to come back to the, the I, I appreciate I haven't, I haven't answered that question. So to, to come back to the point you, you, were, you were asking in the last question was, is this a full-time role? The larger the organization is, probably yes. The smaller it is, well, actually, you know, Perhaps you're not hiring an internal trainer, but you're having a systems expert or you're having someone that might do it a day or two days a week as part of a job. Well, that can be viable. Um, yeah. You know, there can be other aspects that they get involved in, perhaps in terms of marketing or a whole, whole host of things. And, you know, whilst some of us are qualified trainer, there's going to be advantages to someone in terms of traits, someone that's empathetic, someone that is actually pro systems, pro change. Uh, buys into the product. Mm. Uh, those, those things really matter. You might go and find an NKTF communicator in there. You might find someone that's you know a highly qualified trainer, but yeah. they, but they might not be a what I'd argue is a, a systems trainer. Mm. They might be a soft skills trader. Sometimes those things don't go hand in hand. Yeah, they they won't necessarily always translate and 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 like doing the systems training stuff. So if you've got someone that likes technology, um, likes engaging with people, enjoys being the the source of knowledge and uh, and and helping others they they they, they uh, enjoy that aspect and that's that's a, a good person to look at but also that can that has competence and can command the room and mm. and people buy into as well so um it's not necessarily something that that just someone that's pro or likes the system can do they 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 also have to have a few other aspects and yeah, in terms of character traits and skills. Yeah. And they need to have proper access around the systems. One of the things you were saying in terms of like the, the kind of systems expert, you know, to be an administrator of a system, uh, can be quite a responsibility. You know, so if you change something in the back end, 
that can really impact the the, the front end users or the day to day users. Um, you know, so having that ability to to look at what those sort of pain points are, and then sort of referring that to the systems configuration, yeah, or the communication with us as a supplier. So here's the kind of frustration: is there a way we can do that? Yes, here's some short form content on how users can do that. Here's what you could deliver. Here's some content you might want to create your own sort of version of, etc. Uh, but actually, here's how to go into the system in the back end. Uh, so in, in our case, the uh, utility program and actually change that. Yeah. Um, that, that's quite a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're really junior, um, that might not play into the part where I was talking about them having the confidence to, mm. to deliver the training um, within that organization. But And they might not have really kind of almost uh, their, their place and their status. Mm. But then that also links to the authority so it's the authority they command enough respect that even if they are confident enough to deliver the training the people listen to them and adhere to what they say so there is an element of power and authority mm. that ideally would be there uh, and them having the power and authority to make changes to the system mm. but also if people aren't using the system perhaps they're in a place where they can you know say that no it has to be used in this way and, and they feel empowered to highlight it and you know, mention it to whoever that it needs to be mentioned to thereafter. They've actually been trained. This isn't a knowledge gap issue. Yeah. This is actually someone choosing to not use it. This is this is um kind of a behavioural issue mm. that perhaps needs to be addressed elsewhere. So mm. in their one to one. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And I was just about to say, you just said it there. That whole empowering piece in terms of you know making sure as the as a as the organisation or, or, or the business that's selected or identified this person, you know, empower them to be able to make those informed decisions and deliver those messages on behalf of the business you know this is not this is not my opinion of how you should use the system this is defined process and here's the things that are put in place and again great for a, an individual to deliver that message that someone so does this really well and here's how it benefits them if you do this here's how it can benefit the business here's how it can benefit your career with us moving forward or already organization yeah so yeah it not being a token role yes sir it, it's, it's certainly supported and there it is actually this is this is an invaluable, really important role that's, that's providing so many benefits to us that ultimately result in better data, better usage, more placements, greater efficiency, better customer service, all those kind of things. When you when you realize that and, and, and perceive it that way and support that person accordingly, mm. rather than sometimes where someone's just, it doesn't work out for them in recruitment and they're kind of just, oh, maybe you should do that. And it not really being something that's viewed as, um, really beneficial and and, and critical, mm. uh, but yet it, it being viewed that way from management and kind of cascaded and communicated that way, that person really being supported, yeah, um, will will really help with all of those other aspects and the, and the and the better utilization of of the product and and the the adoption if it's from adoption point or or if you're an existing user that's been using it for a while, just just the you know maintaining and improving and more that you. You really want that kind of situation to occur, and and the product evolves. So yeah. have someone that can can actually assist with that as well. We can also support that. Yeah, from 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 a supplier's point of view, we can really help support that individual who's been selected in terms of their knowledge of the system, how to deliver. You know, and give them advice. You know, yourself. You know, you're, you're very well qualified and have lots of experience. You know, we're in a good place to actually advise these people if they've got any questions on, oh, how can I improve this? Oh, I'm really struggling with this. So here, last question. As we know, learning doesn't stop at the initial rollout of the system, which we've, again, uh, touched on quite a few times today. Yeah. 
what can businesses do to ensure the constant learning from their consultants and ensuring they're communicating with the, the supplier correctly? Yeah, so, so many of the points we've already talked about, if you've got an internal trainer, they'll massively help. But it, it's um, it's a cultural thing of continuous improvement. So if it's if if culturally that's very much adopted and people recognise and realise that it's not just day one go live, we've had, we've had the learning already and we've been supported, uh, that actually it continues thereafter, then that's that's a big big part of it. So through many of the aspects we talked about with communication and and uh, perhaps an internal decision maker or an internal trainer that's that's helping um, with that. But yeah, it, it, it just being as, as as much as, as possible, as regularly as possible. So even if it isn't an internal trainer, the on-demand resources for people to be able to utilize mm. really matters. Um, when it comes to uh, updates to the system, obviously those those are communicated and conveyed Certainly, we we let people know through a variety of different means, um, and if that that perhaps key point of contact, that central person, perhaps the internal trainer knows about it, they can deliver those things. So again, you're getting more out of the system as new functionality and improvements occur. Um, that that can really help. Uh, it's also a two way street. So we obviously have suggestions from our users that we implement, and a quite a high proportion um, end up going in. We've looked at it in terms of clients. Um, but one of the things that could really help with that is when there is a key point of contact that really understands the business, um, that can really help us understand the significance of that suggestion rather than it being perhaps one user where it's kind of centric to how they'd use it. Mm. If it's that that systems person, that internal trainer, mm. and they're kind of highlighting to us as an organization, out of all the things, this is the, this is the most useful to us if it were to change or these are the things that... Um, that can really help us understand how the system could work better for them mm. in terms of us looking at the suggestions yeah. and prioritizing them accordingly. Of course, it won't necessarily mean we do them or to do them all, but yes, it has to work for us and we're an off-the-shelf provider. We're not a bespoke software provider, as as, as we all know, uh, but that does help us understand uh, which are of greatest use and benefit. And I think some of those suggestions, like you mentioned there, will come via our system. Because again, we've empowered our end users to be able to click a button and recommend, you know, to us what they would like the system to do. We implement those, and and, and the why, which is helpful. Because yeah, there's the box within that. Because often, yeah, some some of the obvious. So we ask them the feature, and it is. Yeah, and then why is this important to you? Yeah, so we so we so we understand. That. Yeah, because sometimes it really isn't obvious. Yeah, most as to, to why, because we're not trying to use it. We're not recruiters. They they have. So what we also do to 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 try and improve that is we've got obviously customer success managers who proactively reach out to customers on a regular basis yep. and also discuss with them. So what we're trying to say, won't just necessarily come through suggestions and through training, uh, you know, sometimes it would just be a proactive conversation. We'll pick up the phone, how the users find it. And sometimes that can be, oh, actually we get a bit frustrated with this or we're not sure how to use this. And then our customer success manager will then go across, you know, across departments internally and, and figure out, is this something we could be doing here? Is this something that's there already? Uh, perhaps we've identified some knowledge gaps. Perhaps there's some, you know, conversation with with training to occur. So we'll always try and try and lead that, I suppose, as best we can. In terms of the software updates you mentioned, there, and that's a really good one. What we've seen, uh, particularly over the last three or four years, uh, with our new product, Citrus Nine, is we release updates fairly regularly. Yeah, about once every four to six weeks. Yeah, um, we're on a we're on a we're on a great trajectory trajectory uh you know with our software and we've got a really decent road back in place yeah what i have seen is some uh businesses just quite of ignore the updates 
and and they're not yeah and they're not necessarily brought into the updates because perhaps it doesn't have a feature they need or have requested um but actually all that all that happens is they then don't update regularly and actually the version they they're then on um can become uh you know quite behind where the software actually is and they don't communicate this oh here's here's some new stuff that itris does uh you know internally so sometimes the users just think oh you know it just does this actually it does this one of this other stuff but you just don't know about it and that's again where that knowledge erosion kind of accelerates you know so you're not just got the knowledge erosion in in terms of what people are learning how to do but if the if the system's improving and the knowledge is is eroding yeah and, and there's almost a bigger a bigger gap to fill in terms of those either knowledge gaps or yeah one one of the things that happens so often that is is just so frustrating um is is that we'll will be asked about or, or or perhaps a criticism might come our way that that something hasn't been implemented that someone would would have liked or would like and so often it's the case that it actually has occurred and it's occurred in part because they because they suggested it and quite a while now so it was a few releases ago and we've already let the client know and perhaps a number of the key stakeholders as well um and they just haven't uh acted yeah it wasn't acted on perhaps they haven't uh obtained that release or they have but haven't realized it and made it part of their internal training or rollout so whilst we do let people know when they first log into the system there's like a uh, a pop-up like an announcements uh, page that that appears and shows some of the key highlights of that release and they can go find out more often the reality is people users just dismiss it because they're busy they're just perhaps logged in they're coming to work they they don't have time to do that but time short already but that stuff still can be accessed um within the product at the, at the very top with the the latest release and then go back to that or via the knowledge base but actually yeah in an ideal world if there is a kind of central point of contact that perhaps rolls out the training or communicates things they can ensure that right we're on this latest version actually this was suggested by me or this was suggested by this user brilliant well done thank you and and it's there for us to use so let's go and use it mm. um because too often unfortunately that that just doesn't occur and we and we developed it and we really want them using it because well, they've asked for it and and that's that's a real shame when that doesn't occur mm. And I think, like you said, it's, it can be, yeah, from our, our point of view, it can be a little bit frustrating in terms of we've listened to your end users, we've delivered this piece of functionality, we made you aware of it, you didn't roll it out. Uh, but actually, we shouted about, we didn't just communicate with this with you, we shouted about it across all of our social media platforms. Yeah. So we did a showcase video around it, there's a training video around it, there's a knowledge-based article around it, there's all this all this short-form content we've created, did our justice, we've not utilised it. And I think, again, we've touched on this before, but just following your supplier on social media, it, it, it's such, you know, it, it, if you encourage your users to be bought into the system like they should be and you've communicated all of those benefits, getting them to follow them on social media, and this, this, isn't, this isn't me trying to increase our followers. This is actually, you know, it's real stuff. If, if I'm interested in something, I'll follow it on social media. You know, so for me, it's either watches or trainers and my Instagram is generally filled with that. But actually, if I was a recruiter and there was this tech that I was using that's constantly evolving and I was actually bought into using it because it makes me money, yeah. Um, I will follow that and I will uh, I will keep up to date with, with what's going on because I don't want to be left behind. Yeah, and, and some people will and some people do, but it's often the minority, sadly. Yeah. yeah. 
but that's where if there is an internal key point of contact and like you were talking about earlier in terms of one-to-ones or even appraisals mm. ideally that'd be a key part of their role that they're staying on top of every release and working out what are the benefits of all of these items some of them we've perhaps suggested ourselves or some of them we haven't but other people have and actually that's really useful let's ensure that people are aware of that that's a nice to have so they can use it if they choose or actually that's part of our process now we can get more out of this system as we're spending money on we can improve our process with this new yeah piece of functionality and drive the users that way yeah so, so, so certainly it, it kind of links back to yeah have, have an internal kind of key point of contact that mm. it is your systems uh itris person or or you, you know and your internal trader to breed that positivity as well so hi guys good news yeah, I has just released this, or our software providers just released this, or they've got a webinar that you know you can attend, or oh, they've just released this new sort of article and video that can really help us improve these areas of our business and just and just communicating that internally. Okay, guys, that's been episode nine of the corner. I think you've made it to the end. Uh, appreciate it. there's a lot there to digest. If you've got any questions for Ian, uh, drop us a comment. Thanks for coming on, Ian. Been a been a pleasure. Nice thing. Uh, yeah, it's been great to share a lot of that knowledge with uh, with our listeners and and watchers as well. Uh, ironically, don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you get updates on our content, but also our software as well. Uh, so quite often we will release uh, showcase videos which can help you see what we're up to. Hope to see you again next time on The Corner.